What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bargument, and we are going to throw a lovely episode out towards you guys. We are just about to catch a plane in less than 24 hours. We are going to Denver, Colorado, just for a long weekend getaway, um, just Jen and myself, something that uh, I like to do after I run a prep and running two preps in a row, this is definitely something that is necessary right now just to clear the mind, get away for a little bit, and uh, rekindle the old relationship again. Because I'll tell you, when you guys are running a prep, your significant other is going to run a prep with you as well. Uh, lots of ups and downs and things like that. And being that I've done so many preps and I do know how things work and what I kind of turn into, I made sure to surprise Jen with a trip to Denver after my shows because she put up with so much shit for me through preps. As you guys know, when you're running through preps, it's not just you. It's everybody around you. It's your kids. It's your wife. It's your husband. It's your girlfriend. It's your boyfriend. It's your work. It's everything. It takes a toll and changes when you flip that switch for preps. So we are going to be boarding a plane in less than 24 hours and just going to go enjoy ourselves. Just go to a couple restaurants that we've been looking up. Last year, two years ago, we just popped into a Colorado Rockies baseball game, bought jerseys, just had a good time. Found a couple great restaurants that uh, no longer exist anymore due to the C word that happened in our world. Um, so they shut down. So we are going to go on a hunt for new restaurants. As you guys know, we're big foodies. So that's that's kind of what we're going to do. So, But what I wanted to do was a podcast here with 10 popular fitness and gym questions that are pretty, pretty vague. The reason I wanted to really downgrade these questions just for the everyday Joe Blow and just for the everyday gym goer that doesn't know a lot about nutrition, doesn't necessarily know a lot about the gym. So these are very basic questions. So again, if you are a hardcore lifter and you've been in this for a long time, this might be a podcast that you don't really want to listen to. Um, but I would suggest sticking around because a lot of these answers will actually surprise you. So we're going to come in with number one, which is is working with body weight or dumbbells comparable to a full gym when trying to build muscle or strength? All right, so my honest answer is at some point, you're going to reach limits with body weights and dumbbells. Your options for a full gym obviously have a lot more options on the table. You got a lot more equipment, and you kind of want to ease which way you're going to go with it. Um, they do not compare, not, not at all. Um, the reason for that is... Obviously, you're going to be at more of an advantage going into a gym. They have your treadmills, your stair climbers for cardio. They have your, uh, what do I want to say, standard equipment, isolation equipment set for you, your squat racks, your dumbbell racks, different things like that. So you, you, there's a point, in a point in a time for body weight stuff and a point in time to get your butt into the gym. It, it, again, it depends on your assessment levels and where you are at physically, so... Um, body weight stuff. I love for warming up dumbbell work phenomenal because you are using core stabilization through almost every lift you lift with a dumbbell. That's why I am very, very much more pro dumbbell than I am machines. Although I live on a lot of machines. There are a ton of machines that I like the, the way that they isolate muscles a little bit better. So, you know, that's a whole nother topic you could talk about just dumbbell work versus, versus strictly gym equipment. But think about it this way, guys. I can take somebody in the, I mean, my driveway with no weights whatsoever and put them through a crazy good workout. If you know what you're doing, 
if you know the anatomy and you understand kinesiology and you understand the physics of how your body needs to work and what can penetrate a muscle in what direction, you can get away with a lot with not a lot to work with. I, I do this a lot with, with my clients that are going out of town, that are going on vacations, going up to cabins, and put together little programs using their own body weight and a set of five to seven to 50-pound dumbbells, depending on what they're going for for their goals. So, excuse me. Um, so, is working with body weight or dumbbells comparable to a full gym? Absolutely not, but... That's apples and oranges. It all depends on what your goal is and what exactly you're going for. Going into number two, should I increase volume or the load first? And does it matter? Um, I'm very biased towards increasing the volume just due to the fact that adding the load is going to break your form. So knowing, again, this this is an open question too, kind of an open-ended question because I'm all about time under tension and putting as much load as you can onto a muscle, but at the same time, you have to be able to penetrate it. You have to be able to, to get it to work at hypertrophy. If you guys have any idea what that is, you have to get it, you got to get it to send signals to actually want to work. So what I tell people too is don't always increase the weight, slow your rep volume down. If it's four sets of 10 or a basic weightlifting program, make sure that you're dying at 10. You know, anybody can just do 10 and then stand up and walk away and be like, okay, what's next? Make it hurt. You know, get to that failure point by eight, and then you're really pushing or getting assistance from a spotter for those last two. So don't think about it as numbers. I hate when people are all about numbers. And this is what I always tell my clients too, is your body doesn't understand numbers. It doesn't know eight. It doesn't know 10. It doesn't know 50. What it knows is time under tension. It knows when tension is applied. And I tell everybody this. The one that can apply the most tension the longest is going to win. Now, what are they going to win? I don't know. You know, maybe they're going to win their competition. Maybe they're going to win their weight loss challenge. But in general, if you can put more tension on a muscle, think about that. The more volume and tension that you can put on a muscle, the better. So obviously, you want to increase your reps and increase your volume as you're going. So... Um, I would definitely get your form down first. Make sure form is perfect before increasing your weights. There are so many clients that I use just straight body weight and very, very lightweight right away to get their form down because if they develop bad form out of the gates, they're going to develop a lot of hindering problems as they start to load and progressively overload weight onto a bad form. Think about it like building a house. Your foundation better be fucking solid or you're going to crumble. That's one of the best analogies to use for something like that. All right, moving down. Is being sore a solid indicator of a good workout? No. Think about it this way. Uh, yeah, yes and no. Again, another open-ended question because, yes, you're going to rip muscle tissue. You're essentially damaging muscle tissue when you're training. That's why recovery and nutrition is so important because after you're done damaging muscle tissue, you want to make sure to get proper nutrition so that you're ready to go for tomorrow, the next day, so on and so forth. So that's why I push the sauna and I push the ice bath and I push chiropractic work and I push massage therapy. Um, I'm constantly pushing yoga and stretching and all that stuff. Because guys, Epsom salt baths, there's another one. I take two to three Epsom salt baths a week. That magnesium soaking into your skin for muscle recovery is insane. And the little trick too is after I get out of an Epsom salt bath, my metabolism is cooking. 
I'm talking I sweat for 20 minutes to 45 minutes to an hour after my Epsom salt bath. I know it sounds crazy, but if you've got a good hold of your metabolism and you're cruising, you take an Epsom salt bath, making that water as hot as you possibly can, soak your muscles for 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops, and then get the hell out of there. And just watch the vascularity kick off into your body and just watch your metabolism start to just cruise. And again, it's awesome for muscle recovery, guys. Excuse me. Um, so no, it's not, it's not an indicator that you did a good workout because if you damage it too much, that's not good. But also if you go to the gym and you don't, you don't wake up a little sore, you're, of course you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to wonder, geez, did I push hard enough? Did I work hard enough? But you got to remember all sorts of different layers of the muscle tissue, getting three layers on the muscle tissue. You don't want to go to that third layer every single day. You go and max out every single lift PR every single day. That's not going to benefit you at all. It's going to damage your tendons and joints and muscles. And you're not going to get any hypertrophy at all because you're now getting into powerlifting. And even powerlifters only lift two to three times a week. Most powerlifters are all about recovering and loading calories. So think about it that way, guys. You don't want to have every single session where you're just crawling on the floor dead. You want to have those slower sessions where you're just messing with the first two layers of muscle. You don't have to go in and kill it and PR every single week, guys. You'll never, ever get ahead in your goals. So do a combination of both. Do deload weeks. Do hypertrophy workout, workouts, excuse me, um, and, and really work on progressive overloading. That's going to be the number one thing. And, yes, you're going to be sore. I started training at 15, 16 years old. I'm 38, 37. Ugh, geez, don't make myself older. I'm 37 and I still get really sore and some workouts I don't get sore and I still will look in the mirror and go, Ooh, did I, could I have done more? And I've been doing this for 20 years and I still look in the mirror and go, could I have done more for that workout if I didn't feel it? But it's not all about being sore. You cannot walk around damaged all day long. You can't recover fast enough. All right, moving on to number four. What to do if you're sick? Do you skip your workout? Do you push through it? This is a great question. I'm going to take a sip of my tea here quick. All right. This is an awesome question because the stubbornness in me is going to tell you a story from when I was younger. I'd pop 102, 103, 104 uh, degree temperature. I'd be super sick. I had a sore throat. I was achy. All of it. And I would always say to myself, I can kick this. I can get this out of my system. If I go work out, just do a little workout, just something to get this out of my system. I got to get this up and moving. That was single-handedly the stupidest fucking thing I could have done. And it's 100% regrettable because I would have a half-assed workout. It'd be shitty because I wasn't strong because I wasn't eating properly. Because you guys know when you're sick, you don't want to eat. Food just doesn't sound good to you. So you go into this workout, whether you took a pre-workout, hopefully you didn't if you were sick, it's just a fucking chaotic mess. Think about it like grabbing all of the bullshit, throwing it into a big blender, that's you walking into the gym, stirring it up and then trying to drink it. Man, it is horrible. Just do not go to the gym. If you're not feeling good, just stay the hell out of gym because you're going to get a workout in and then you're going to leave and then you're going to be twice as pissed because you didn't have a good workout. You're going to be twice as disappointed in yourself. Then you're going to get even more mad at yourself and then the stress kicks in. It's it's an absolute chaotic downfall at that point, guys. So if you're feeling sick, just skip it. Listen to your body. Recover. Your body will thank you. Remember, every little thing that you do for your body, it either helps it or hinders it. 
So again, think about those little things like that. Those are the things that add up. But again, I'm telling you, I'm not going to lie to you. For the first 12, 15 years of bodybuilding, I went into the gym when I was sick because I had to hit my workout. I had to do it. It's, I got to get it. I can't, I can't miss that day. No, just move your schedule around, move your food around, and listen to your body. As you get older, you really appreciate that a lot. All right, number five, how do you deal with working out postpartum and being sleep deprived? All right, so for our prego ladies. So what we want to do is we want to think about sleep as number one. Sleep is muscle recovery. Sleep is your body. Literally think about a bunch of little ants inside your body and they're going all over the place while you're sleeping and they're helping and they're healing everything while you're sleeping. And then you get up to pee. Oh, ants stopped. You went to the bathroom, you get back to bed, you get the ants working again for recovery again. That's why sleeping is so important, guys. I'm not telling you to, to sleep 12 hours a day, but it, you know, some people need four to six hours. Some people need six to 10 hours, but sleeping is so much more important. Just think about it like plugging in your cell phone, guys. When you, you get to that panic when 5% on your phone lets you know it's about to die because God knows you can't be without your phone these days. That's exactly how your body is. You've ran your whole battery down. Now take the time to thank your body by getting good sleep, good controlled sleep, so that you wake up and you recharge your battery every time. So um, pick sleep. Pick sleep for sure. And again, listen to your body. Do what you can. Get a set of dumbbells at your house. If you can't make it to the gym, get yourself a 15 to 30-minute window and do some dumbbell work. Do some plyometric work. Do some treadmill work. There really is no excuse for not being able to work out, guys. Um, I understand, you know, maybe you have two, three, four, five kids. It gets really fucking tough. But if it's a priority to you and it really bothers you the way you look and you really want to change, you'll figure out a way. All right. Is movements like doing yoga better for your core than going to the gym? Another great question, and I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because if you've ever taken a yoga class and you got a now, let me let me backtrack a little bit. So, do, doing yoga from a bodybuilder's point of view is insanely hard because we're a big block of. We're just a big block of fat and muscle, right? I'm just going to say both of them. And it's hard for us to hold those yoga positions. And that's where the sweat really starts to kick in. Your metabolism just starts going, whoa. And you're revving up. You get the heat sweats coming over your body when you're holding these things for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute at times. Um, the core stabilization in yoga is nuts. But it's awesome because it also transfers over to weightlifting because there are a ton of, th and you're doing anything that's not a machine, you're engaging your core. Squats, core. Hip thrusts, core. Planks, core. Uh, standing overhead, shoulder press, core. So you gotta remember, you are working core just as much in yoga as you are weightlifting, and then they they both help each other. And and that and that's a great way to go. So if, you're, if your goal is to just develop your core, do some of the small things in the yoga that are going to help a lot and just get a little bit more stretching going and throw in five to 10 minutes of core work every day, post gym, pre gym, right after you work out, right after you wake up. There's so many ample times for you to be able to pull this off. 
again, it's just like anything else. Tell yourself, hey, I'm going to do 100 crunches today. And then all of a sudden, it's not like you got to do 100 crunches at one shot. Say, I'm going to do 10. And then 10 minutes later, go back and do 10. Then go back and do 10. I have clients set up with this stuff all the time. Not necessarily in simps, but a lot of my cubicle workers, and I'll say, you know what? Ask to use the bathroom or go use the bathroom and go knock out 100 push-ups. Now, I know that sounds stupid, but it's not 100 at one shot. Just do 10 push-ups. And throughout the day, just tally those so that you can make it a priority. It's little things like that. If you have a 9 to 5 that you sit in a chair all day in a cubicle, you instantly think, oh, I'm fucked. I'm never going to be in good shape. I don't get enough steps in. I don't walk around enough. No, get up a little bit earlier before you go to work. Stay a little bit later at work. Do you know so many different things that you can do? All right, moving on to number seven is a heart rate monitor needed for improving cardiovascular health? It is absolutely not necessary. It's certainly nice to have and it makes training a little bit more easier. I will tell you this if you guys have listened to my prior podcasts, I started wearing an Apple Watch for my steps. All I gave a shit about was my steps. I do not give a crap about all the other things. On this watch, it tells me when someone's standing at my front door, I've got everything connected to this thing, and I don't give a shit about any of them. I care about my steps, and all I do is monitor my steps because I will tell you this right now. You think you get enough steps, and you think that you're mobile enough through the day. You're not. You're not. You know, I made I made it for 20,000 steps a day during my prep. I said I will not go to bed until I get 20,000 steps. Obviously, I'm not on prep anymore. I brought that down to 15. So I'm still getting 15,000 steps a day, and I'm making it a fucking priority. If I'm in between clients, I'll walk around. I'll jump on the treadmill. I'll go walk outside. Um, There's so many avenues. After I get done eating, I don't eat a meal anymore without walking outside for 15 to 30 minutes for proper digestion. I am huge on gut health and everything starts in your stomach. And I'll tell you this right now, digestion is everything because if you're not digesting properly, your whole day is ruined. So again, you don't necessarily need a heart rate monitor to see when you're spiking to 180 and when you're dropping back down to 120, but it is nice because I do this with my clients a lot, whether they have a monitor or not, I kind of can monitor them just due to talking to them. Half the time I'm talking to them on break, I don't really care what we're talking about. I'm just checking their breathing pattern. I'm checking if they can hold a conversation and how fast they're recovering. And then we'll go from there. They have no clue I'm doing this, but I'm constantly testing them and because I'm trying to get them in the best shape of their life. And so when I say, okay, it's time to go, it's time to go, it's not like I just picked that time. I'm telling you, okay, we used about 45 seconds to a minute break. It's now time to move. Sometimes we'll get into a deeper conversation, two, three minutes, and that's okay. I'll allow that conversation to go that deep because I want them to take a little bit longer break. So heart rate monitors are awesome, I will say, for accountability, but you definitely do not need them. All right. Is cardio better before or after lifting? Honestly, whatever's more important for your goal. Just prioritize just prioritize that. Whether it's right away in the morning, I get so many people that give me so much shit about doing fasted cardio and they say how unhealthy it is and it's not beneficial and it's not this, you know, I don't give a shit what they say. I have done so many trial and errors on my body. I do what works for me. Does that mean that's what I push on all my clients? Absolutely not. Because fed cardio could be just as good as fasted in certain situations. So I love waking up early and doing my cardio in the morning. I also do post-workout cardio. So depending on what your goals are, getting cardio in in general is important. 
I don't care if it's right before you go to bed. I know a lot of people that do. They'll do a stationized bike. They'll do treadmill. They'll walk around outside when it's dark and they just have their street lights on. Whatever you got to do, if you're assigned to get X amount of steps or your time for your cardio from your coach or just you in general holding yourself accountable, just fucking get it done. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Um, brings me to my next one is almost piggyback right off of this. What is the best form? There is no such thing as the best form right now. Walking and taking your steps is extremely popular. You know, five, six years ago, it was just the stair climber. Then it was incline treadmill walking Then it's stationized bike for hit intervals. Again, whatever works best for you and your goal. I will tell you the difference between steady state and hit there is a ton. I could do a whole podcast on just those topics, but switch them up a little bit. Keep your body guessing. Hit is great for quick, fast twitch intervals that are going to get a nice, hard, intense, high heart rate cardio session in. Boom, real fast. Steady states, you know, you're looking at 30 minutes to an hour or more if you're just walking on the treadmill, incline power walking, or if you're doing stair climber. But there's no right or wrong way at all. So, just wanted to touch base with some of these questions that are coming in that are really, really easy, guys. Re-listen to this podcast if you need to. Write this stuff down. It's small little tips and tricks like this is the reason why I get behind the mic here on the podcast because I just want one to two to three people just to learn a little something to better their hobbies and habits with their food and their nutrition. And again, I say hobbies because, yeah, there are a lot of people out there that are just like, I like to just eat. It's like a hobby. And I look at them and I say, I get it. I know I'm a foodie. I understand that, but create hobbies that turn into habits and make sure they're healthy ones. Cause we all have a ton of bad ones. So on that note, again, I always love the support you guys are giving me. Please follow me at IFBB pro Chris Spafford on Instagram. Always appreciate each and every follow. I'm probably talking to about 10 to 15 people only right now. Nice little small podcast, but I appreciate each and every one of you guys for tuning in. See ya.